0: Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode two hundred and fifteen. We're cracking these puppies out. <laughs> my name is Josh Kanal. To my left,
1: now three, weeks in, uh, three oh, weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. I thought times. you were pausing, so I had to say my own name, and now I feel vain.
0: Oh. You don't look vain.
1: <laughs> You're so vain. You still just look like Nellie Thomas. You probably which think is a good thing. about you.
2: And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Nellie Thomas there singing You're So Vain to television. <laughs> because that's what this podcast is all about. It
0: is all about television. We've got a, a special episode for you this week. Uh, it is the interview I conducted with the executive producer of Sesame Street, Carolyn Parenti.
1: Hardcore, that's big
0: time. Uh, your mic just turned off. Did While Josh and
2: Nellie are uh, dealing with their off. little mic problem over there, let me continue. This is from a conversation that Josh had with Carolyn Parente, the executive producer of Sesame Street, about four weeks ago, calling from her offices at the Sesame Workshop in New York. Enjoy.
0: Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters get your ears into it. Having grown up with, with Sesame Street, every time I see a new character, I get, I get a little bit of a cringe. I, <laughs> I, I, I get a little bit of a, oh, do they really need someone new? Do they really? I, I mean, what what can Abby do that prairie dawn couldn't do
3: well you know one of the one of the reasons we add new characters is always from a writing perspective and trying to teach new curriculum and the one thing we did with abby when we created her for the um a new resident on the street was wanting to have a new species that didn't exist before so abby being a fairy allows us to deal with a curriculum of entering new social groups is really something very important for a preschooler as they start to make new friends and head into preschool and learn to get along with people that may be very different than themselves. So, when you add a character, you want it to come from a story perspective.
0: So, the idea behind someone like Abby is that she looks different, she sounds a little bit different, but she has her own special skills that she can bring to any friendship.
3: That's right. You know, she has wings and she has the ability to do magic and The other great part about her being a uh, fairy in training is that she's wowed, magic is part of her family history. She's wowed by the learning that goes on on Sesame Street. And so to her, learning how to write the letter A is magical, and, and that's a wonderful way to sort of model the magic of um, what learning can be for kids.
0: So, so when, it, when it comes to creating new characters after 40 years, how do you go about doing it? I've got, I've got so many questions, but uh, <laughs> let's, let, let's start with that. How, how do you go about creating new characters, both Muppet and, and Human, when you uh, bring someone new onto Sesame Street?
3: Well, again, they really have to come from story. And I think that's where all great characters come from, whether they're human or or puppet form. And so you, you identify a need, whether it's a curriculum you want to teach or a um, uh, personality uh, that you want for that you think will be uh, the, good storytelling. And so ev- everything really comes from writing.
0: Okay, so so you have a need. How many how many writers do you have on the show? We
3: have uh, ten writers and a head writer, so eleven.
0: Okay, so that's that seems like a lot of content for, for only ten writers. I mean, in Australia, the show I, it was I don't, I don't know if it still is, but it was shown twice a day, and we would get repeated episodes. But it was every single day. Is that mm-hmm. is that the schedule? How how long's the season? We
3: shoot twenty six shows. In a season, and so it's it's pretty much a year-round calendar as we go from pre-production and then go through the writing stage and production meetings and production, and then there's post-production where we add music and sound effects and do audio mixing and get the show ready for the captioning, and so all of that stuff. Um, it's it's just just about a year.
0: So you're producing 26 episodes a year, mm-hmm. and how often is, is PBS showing it once a week, or how, how are they? It airs daily. Uh, so it airs daily, so there are repeats on... Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. How much say do you have in, or do you or the Sesame Workshop have in uh, telling PBS which episodes to air, how how far back in the history of Sesame Street to go?
3: We create an air date schedule, and we have, and we, you know, sort of spread the shows out in a pattern that we select. That gets fed to PBS. And then there are about, in addition to our 26 shows, there's about 18 additional shows that are only go back a year or two. We never go back farther than that. So whatever is airing for us in any one calendar year is only um, a year or two shows that have been produced within the last year or two 40 years ago when when sesame street started
0: and and i you know i haven't even said congratulations on the anniversary oh you're
3: sweet it's thank you an
0: extraordinary feat and like i said i i grew up with sesame street as, as so many people did but i personally didn't never stopped watching it until i i ended up getting a, a full-time job and, and wasn't home during the day so when i was at university <laughs> i still i still kept watching it uh uh all through high school, when I was on uh, on holidays, because it, it's so it's so entertaining, and and there's not only the uh, the the learning parts, but the sketches. But Nernie to this day, I think are uh, to the best Ford uh, <laughs> act I, I've ever seen. Like they're just hilarious. I only just rewatched that clip where they're at the cinema and the woman with the big hat sits down. Oh and yeah, on.
3: that's one of my favorites of all time.
0: It's just. Uh, just fantastic, but 40 years ago, there was nothing like Sesame Street on, on television, nothing nothing, even vaguely for inner-city children. And and now there's so much, I, I suppose, competition. I mean, there's there's even uh, whole channels dedicated to, to children's programming. How does Sesame Street stay alive in, in what has become a cutthroat industry?
3: Well, you know, it's true. The, the, the industry, the landscape of children's television is completely different now than it was... 40 years ago. And I think what's special about Sesame Street continues to be unique, surprisingly enough, in that it's a you know, models a real ur- urban inner city street and it's our hour of sesame street is like a play date where kids can come and it is this real place with um, real people and, and a wonderful integrated neighborhood of, of ethnicities and and muppets and grouches and snuffleupagus and, and that is unique in the in in the preschool market as many shows as there are you know none really combines that wonderful magic of a real place with real characters and it's also um the only show that that writes on two levels so why that show was so entertaining for you you know as an adult even is because it's by design to keep the to keep the child the parents watching along with the children because first and foremost we're an educational show and we know that children will get more from the material when co-viewing is present. So the design of the show was to have it written on two levels to appeal to adults. And I think that's part of its unique quality. So though there's so many children's shows, there are very few that have even come close to the qualities um, of what's made Sesame Street special all these years.
0: Well, and and even things, I mean, going all the way back, things that seemed on their very surface to be just for children, uh, purely educational, like... Uh, the number painter <laughs> and and he, he would get into these uh, uh, crazy kind of Buster Keaton Harold Lloyd scenarios yeah uh, so so even something that seems so children orientated is was still entertaining for the parents
3: uh, and I think that's been the magic of the writing. It was very hard to make something seem like it was written for children, but also make it seem like it's entertaining for
0: adults and so the the sesame workshop which was the the children's television workshop they've recently uh reintroduced the electric company which yes.
3: was um like a six to nine year old six to nine year old yeah took it the, the next step really in literacy is now you know your letters you know and now let's put them together for learning how to read so when when the electric
0: company uh coexists with with Sesame Street, does Sesame Street have to back off on on some things? Is is there a chance that Sesame Street's going to take kids uh, a little bit too far, and then they're going to be bored by the electric company? Do, do you have to kind of stand back from some literacy things?
3: No, I think there's a nice there's a nice you know gap between there. So Sesame Street is really preschool curriculum, and the electric company really takes over at that six to nine range when um, you know, reading, um, becomes, um, the focus. So there's, there's a, there's a nice healthy gap between, um, the Sesame Street curriculum and the Electric Company curriculum.
0: With the, the curricula in place and Sesame Street now being a global brand and, uh, how, how do you control, or, or do you, do you try to control which parts of a Sesame Street program go to where internationally and which parts are uh, replaced by a a local company?
3: I think that really depends on uh, the local markets. I mean, and that's the beauty of having... Um, the show be co-productions in uh, some of these countries is that they're able to, to choose what segments work for them and design some curriculum that works particularly for their community. And being able to personalize it that way makes it much more effective in teaching what that community needs I, for
0: their children. When I grew up, we just got straight American Sesame Street. Was, you know, late late seventies, early early eighties. It was only American Sesame Street. And Through that, I gained quite a lot of knowledge of. In a city, American living. N- now I wonder if if kids get that kind of international flavour. H- how do you keep the concept of children all over the world as a a kind of theme within Sesame Street?
3: Well, I think the show the show's become more global as the workshops efforts have become more global, and certainly it's part of what you. Um, think of when you create content these days is you're not only thinking about how it will air in the domestic Sesame Street, but you're thinking how will that content travel around the world and and also how will that content travel in different platforms, whether it's the web or uh, pods, podcasts. We've done very well with um, creating, uh, uh, repurposing our material into podcasts. So all of those things go into the design of how you create content these days. And I think certainly, though, the material that is um, shot on our domestic streets still has sort of an American urban setting, but that's only a a portion of the hour. And now the rest of that hour that's created, really, you know, the the animated segments, um, Bert, Ernie, and Clay is even created internationally. So those segments travel much better Internationally, so there's a balance of content. We certainly want to speak to the content that we need in the domestic show, but we also keep in mind that a certain percentage of that material needs to speak to the international market.
0: You, you came on as uh, executive producer of Sesame Street uh, three years ago. Is that
3: four is now? It, four four, years, four ago. years ago.
0: Yeah, uh, having having worked on the show for for almost twenty years, and then. Uh, and then becoming executive producer, did you have a lot of ideas in mind, saying, "Okay, this is this is a direction we've been going, and this is something I think we can add to uh, to the show," or were, were you just happy to have the position and, and just wanted to keep things as they were well going?
3: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I having been here for twenty one years, uh, I like to call myself homegrown. So, um, I've worked here pretty much all of my adult life, and. Um, having the job of executive producer certainly a, a dream of a lifetime. Having grown up on the show, and I think any creative person um, relishes the opportunity to sort of delve in and and um, and have their creative ideas realized. But the one thing about Sesame Street is that um, it is it, it's so um, it's so established and it has such an iconic reputation that you really you do want to be careful so it's not it's something that we um have always considered sesame street and the entire workshop you know sesame street is an experiment in children's television and i think we play with that quite mm-hmm. frequently to to see how far we can push things and test things and and um but it also has um you know characters that you need to be faithful to in a heart and an essence that can't be disturbed so i think the fun part about it it's like a a playground with really well-defined boundaries, so you can have an awful lot of fun and really push push the limits. But the framework is there to guide you. So it's it's been an amazing an amazing experience to 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 be the executive producer. What sort of training
0: do the staff need to go through to keep that uh, that that sense of of working on multiple levels and uh, and coming up with the new ideas and acting out the new ideas? how much training do they need to go through?
3: You know, the thing about so many people that have worked on the show have worked on it for many years. So part of that is is the training and that you just know the show so well. But I think anyone can sort of come in and have a great impact if you just get the show. And so, um, you know, people who really understand and have a love for the show, and the characters, and and what the show is all about, really, that's all the training you need, you know, you need to just get it, and from there, uh, the rest of it's actually pretty easy. Do you, um,
0: I I mean, you you talk about people who've been on the show for for a a long time, and the the people who've been on the street, uh, there are people there who have been there for years, and then uh, there were changes... Uh, you know, as people get older, but also, uh, I was so, so impressed to see Ruth Buzzy come on board uh, yes. as uh, as as a person on the street, which is just uh, a sensational. But then also, muppeteers come and go uh, over time, and uh, uh, do you notice small changes in uh, in behaviours on on the street when those things happen? Or do you, or do you try to maintain what was there despite the uh, the changes in uh, on-screen staff.
3: You know, I think uh, over 40 years you're going to, even though um, we do have a lot of, someone like Bob McGrath has been on the show from, from season one, there's going to be changes uh, over 40 years. Uh, I think what's wonderful is I like to think about it as it's, South Street is a real neighbourhood and just as any real community would have, you have, you know, residents that um, have been there for a really long time and, you know, get older and have... Kids and become grandparents, and then you have the new families that move into the neighborhood, and so it really just models any real community. You know, you have Bob who's been around; he's the the guy on the block that you know has been there a long time, and then you have Chris who's just moved in, and you know is uh, the nephew of um, of Gordon and gets a job working in Hooper's store, so he's the new kid on the block. And same with the the puppet characters; it really just models a real community, and so you just take your your clues from
0: that. You mentioned Gordon and, and of course uh, uh the the one who played uh, Olivia passed away at the uh the yeah, end, Selena Reed and end of last year and uh uh and also uh, you, Hooper store I remember so well when uh when Mr. Hooper died. Uh, yes. Yeah. that was uh that was such a shock for uh for someone who grew up watching sesame street and 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 was still a child at the time and uh it was dealt with uh with, with so much uh compassion on the show i was i was really impressed but when uh when something like that comes up uh do you do you stop Progress on the show and say, well, are we going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with this? I mean, uh, Olivia hadn't been on the show for for years since she moved down the street to two two seven. But uh, but but, do you have do, do you think about how the real world affects Sesame Street on a on a day to day basis?
3: Yeah, and I think that's that's the proper way to think about it. You know, how does the real world affect? You know, the Mr. Hooper incident was really the death of a an actor that if. Sesame Street was a kiddie show would have just recast Mr. Hooper and, you know, kids turn over every, the audience turns over every so often and, you know, the next generation, the next year or two of kids may not have even noticed the difference. And um, but But that's not what Sesame Street is. It's a community and so you would we dealt with chose to deal with that that um, that issue in a way that you would deal with it in the community, so if Mr. Hooper was in your neighborhood and he suddenly wasn 't there anymore you 'd have to try and explain to your kids what happened to Mr. Hooper and explain that he isn 't coming back and Certainly, we have the benefit of a huge research department that um, guides us with all the curriculum and especially with that curriculum of dealing with death once we decided how we were going to handle it, there really was a lot of conversation. um, It's before my time of being um, in the workshop, but I know um, from the history annals that there was a lot of conversation about how to handle it, and that's why when Big Bird says, but I don't understand why did Mr. Hooper die, the answer wasn't some, you know, it was just because <laughs> because yes. there isn't there isn't an answer that you can give that explains it in any more um, detail than just just because and and so certainly that body of educators um, there to guide us whether it's a tough issue like death or um, you know an issue like um, the environment and um, you know how how you deal with uh, uh, a green environment and Eco-friendly subject for a very young audience. Well, our research department is there to give us the appropriate, age-appropriate way to deal with that curriculum as well.
0: As a a kid at the time, I I remember thinking—I actually remember being impressed with how how uh, honest it was. uh, It it was dealt with because uh, it it was so honestly dealt with. At the same time, that uh, Sesame—I would watch. Uh, Sesame Street in the morning, and then switch over channels and, and watch repeats of Family Affair on uh, on another network. Oh yeah, that and, was one of my
3: favourites too. Uh,
0: it was it was great, but uh, suddenly, uh, you know, one episode, Mr French is no longer Sebastian Cabot. It's yes, exactly right. It's this, this this skinny this skinny guy. It's because Sebastian Cabot died. I
3: know it was terrible, right? Right, and but they I can remember that
0: too. We must be exactly the same. Age. We must be. They, they just don't deal with it, and uh, and and then and then when, when Mister Hooper died, it was dealt with s- such a refreshing honesty. Uh, and I look at uh, I, I look at other great modern kids shows like Dora the Explorer, which I think is, is fantastic. Uh, but they don't face those same real world, uh, barriers that Sesame Street faces.
3: it's, It's a different kind of a show. And certainly, you know, Dora, Dora sets out to, um, to, to have their curriculum and goals of what they aim to teach for us you know sesame street is a whole child curriculum and what that means when you say whole whole child curriculum is that you're you're getting kids not only ready for preschool but also for life and that's where i think the mr hooper episode was so so important because it really illustrated that a, a life this is a life you know lesson and those are the types of things that a show like sesame street can tackle and over the years We've tackled, you know, things from emergency preparedness with having a hurricane come to your neighborhood, to um, dealing with bullies um, in the aftermath of the 9/11 incident, and dealing with loss. And these are really tough life issues that most preschool shows just can't touch.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna ask about how it dealt with, uh, with, with the uh, events of 9/11 uh, and and bullies. That just seems like such a a great way to do it because that's that's the way that uh, kids do face terrorism on an everyday.
3: Yeah, we w- what we have again is the advantage of of the research department and the research the in house research department will bring in educational experts and early childhood educating experts that help us break it down. So nine eleven was clearly we knew um, there were children going through a very difficult. Um, experience and break it down. What are their concerns? What are their worries? How is this kind of a terrible sort of unforeseen tragedy? How is it affecting them at their age? And those are the things they were dealing with, you know, loss, um, bullies, um, um, emergencies. You know, they were seeing the news with lots of pictures of firemen in in their gear and, and firemen all dressed up in his His garb is very scary to a kid who doesn't necessarily know what the role of a fireman is and why he's wearing all that. So we had an episode where there was a fire in Hooper's store and Elmo has uh, the fireman come and he learns not only what to do in a fire, but what this man dressed in this funny um, uniform is doing and then he takes a trip to the firehouse. So um, those are all, you really take difficult life issues like that and break them down to how it's affecting, you know, the the preschool age children.
0: Who is your favourite Sesame Street character? And
3: uh, yeah. Oh, that's such an unfair question. No, you have to choose a favourite.
0: <laughs> you have to choose a favourite. <laughs> I have mine. You, you've got to choose You know, here's,
3: here's how I answered that. When I was growing up, my favourite character was Grover. Yep. And that was okay because I was growing up, but now I'm the mom and I love all my children and oh. characters equally.
0: Oh, that's so sucky. <laughs> Uh, mine, mine is still uh, is still Ernie. My brother's was Grover. Mine oh, is, I, that's I, funny. I, yeah, you know I, what
3: I've learned having this job is that um, each of those characters, because you, you started off by saying we have so many characters on the show, and each of those characters has their own cult following, which is really fascinating, and you can learn a lot about someone by who their favorite character is. So,
0: well, yeah, it, it, Ernie to me is it's like you know he's he's part of Abbott and Costello. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and Grover has I mean the, the waiter sketches with Grover are, are sensational. Uh the uh uh the super Grover stuff was uh, was always fantastic. And and they do every single character has uh has their own uh Yes,
3: it's the Oscar the Grouch fans you have to beware of.
0: <laughs> Is Carol Spinney still doing Big Bird and Oscar?
3: Yes. He must yes. be a hundred and fifty. <laughs> He's a little less than a hundred and fifty. <laughs> And not only that I think it was only a year or two ago we we had him on roller skates he still roller skates in that bird costume Oh wow that's
0: that seems so dangerous how uh how much does he um uh d- does he mentor uh new people who come on the show
3: um, quite a bit. He has. Um, we do have um, sort of a backup puppeteer for when things get a little, um, um, you know, too complicated or, or too physical. In um, Nat Vogel is a puppeteer that Carol has mentored. Carolyn Parente, thank you so much for joining us. Oh on. no problem. I, I look forward to seeing cutter. you in four weeks.
2: Hi, I'm Ryan Shelton, Box Cutters' favorite ever guest, and uh, I've really enjoyed myself on Box Cutters. So listen as much as you can because um, I'll be having it on a loop on my iPod.
0: Ah, that was the uh, Sesame Street interview that we just heard. That was me yes. speaking to Carol Carol Lynn Parenti, did executive you, producer of Sesame Street.
1: Did you manage at any stage, because obviously I will listen to it, no question, but I haven't listened to it yet. Did you manage at any stage to ask why, Arcs. Ask why the grown-ups know about Mr Snuffleupagus now?
0: Uh no, no I didn't. didn't. There is there is a point. Did, did you come up with a theory a couple of
1: weeks ago? No, but I have a theory that it's something to do with pedophilia.
0: Well, it was
2: mm. about apparently and I can't remember now where I heard this from. Um they they were concerned that uh that it was sending the wrong message mm. that if you told a grown-up about mm. a secret, then mm. they wouldn't believe you, so well, you've got if a, you were a being abused, then that was that ah, mum and dad don't know about. Going to stop the kids wanting to tell. But what their a parents.
1: tragedy! Because I just loved the idea when I was a little kid well, that that's... we had something the grown-ups didn't have. It was oh, great. That was bird. great pantomime.
0: Oh. Mm. The the whole. Oh, he was just here. Yeah, yeah. He really was. He was mm. just here. But it was it was also quite frustrating. Mm. Uh, no, 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 we we didn't talk about that, and the listeners by now will know uh, that that we didn't talk about that. But yeah. the ones that I didn't am, off. I am planning to uh, to that's catch really. up with. Uh, with Carolyn Parenti shortly. Could that
1: be top of your list?
0: It's, that is that is going to be top of my list. In the interview, I did say there are so many things that I want to ask. We only had mm. half now because Arcs. as you heard at the end of that, <laughs> as you heard, sorry, so many things I want to ask her. As you heard at the end of that interview, uh, she did have to get her car out of a parking lot. Otherwise, she was going to have to pay the emergency fee. Oh. Uh, so we had to just end it there. So when the
2: fee goes nuclear?
0: Yes, Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> are you making fun of how I say nuclear? You don't say nuclear. I do. <laughs> no. I thought, when did I say nuclear? She's from Western Australia. No, because I keep saying it and then my partner, he said to me, why are you saying it like that? Like and I Josh said, Wage. what do you mean? Like what? And he's like, it's not nuclear. <laughs> and then I couldn't work out which one was right and I still can't. What's, how do you say it?
0: Nuclear. nuclear.
1: Nuclear.
0: Think about it. It's like And new. how am I saying it? Nuclear.
1: Oh,
0: Oh, so think about. I didn't it.
1: ask you about it, Josh. <laughs> did,
0: you, did, did you just ask me about it? <laughs>
1: no, I asked you. <laughs> do you know the hardest thing doing shows with teenagers? They really do say arcs. And mm. Nelly, can I ask you something? No. It, it takes everything in my power not to go.
0: No, <laughs> no, you can't. You can't section of a circle <laughs> me something.
1: <laughs> Multiple sections of a circle. Me. You can't know me with your no. two by twos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, you can't. Anyway, so that was the uh, that was the interview. I hope you found it interesting. We are going to do a part two of that, hopefully. Great. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm working on that. Uh, and It'd be great
2: if you could uh, get Elmo in the studio. I don't want to get
1: Elmo in the studio. Elmo is really to... freaking annoying. Trust me, someone with a two and a half year old. Elmo is bloody bad news. Yeah, I don't want. He's annoying. Speaking speaking but, of but someone, when Elmo's someone who doesn't talking
2: talk... to grown ups, he's a lot more fun. Right, Elmo like talking he's, to grown ups not doing the talking to two year olds.
0: Hilarious, stuff. but. I still have problems with uh with his inability to talk about himself in the first person.
1: Yes, indeed. And the
0: <laughs> Oh, that
1: Elmo doesn't like it.
0: Yeah, that me. Do you like
1: this, well. Elmo? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great. So we're not going to get Sesame Street back on uh back on the show now cuz oh, no, I love Elmo I really do. Nearly shot mm. Elmo. Uh that brings us to the end of box cutters episode 215 I'm
2: almost just not completely sure picking up the new language uh, well about that's how the uh, that's true and I think the pronouns go I think
0: there's a you know that there is a very specific reason one of the great things about uh talking about Sesame Street was finding out about how they build their curricula and mm. how they how they really work through and the actual learning theories
2: behind yeah. what they do Do you
1: remember it's like a Sesame school Street.
2: it's amazing so do you ask about uh, Bert and Annie And, and the living together And that
1: Oh they're totally You know at. I didn't You know I didn't Brett Did you ask about that lady in the big chair? you know <laughs> <did> you <remember gasps> that lady?
2: Yes
0: Everyone else has already listened yes. to the episode Yeah okay Sorry So they know what I've asked
1: Yeah you know what you
0: asked They know what I asked And it's nuclear And they know <laughs> that uh, now now They're you know just going to be was, disappointed though? Huh? You know who that was?
1: The lady in the big chair? Yeah Was it um
0: Lily Tomlin Lily Tomlin Yeah yeah, yeah. Uh I know now. But the thing is, now you've brought up all these questions that the listeners want answers to, <laughs> and they're not in the episode. Part so they two? F- they finished the episode just being disappointed. Part two. Josh. Stay they're just going to letters, just write letters. Ongoingly. Dear Josh, can you not speak to anyone ever again? <laughs> Clearly, you're just shit. <laughs>
2: these will be the follow up I... questions.
0: Uh, that brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 215. Thanks so much to uh, the ABC for helping set up that interview with Carolyn Parenti. Uh, and congratulations to. Sesame Street on their 40th anniversary. That's totally awesome, dude. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, also, uh, if you haven't yet, why don't you, uh, if you're part of Facebook, become a fan of Box Cutters on Facebook, facebook.com slash boxcutters.
2: If you have a hankering for a poke from Boxcutters.
0: Hey. No, okay. it, no one, pokes, sort of no one pokes anyone anymore, but you can, you know, maybe play Scrabble with us or something. Uh, also... I still do that? I don't... I still do that.
1: Can I say... It's all I use Facebook nuclear for. Nuclear and do boggle?
0: Yes. Great. Yes, you can. Uh, you can't spell it that way in Bogolay. Wow. You can do whatever you want, Nelly.
1: <laughs> do it. Don't let him tell
0: you what you can and can't do. Don't hold me back, man. He's not the boss of Don't you. Don't hold me back. Uh, also, on Twitter, <laughs> we are Box Cutters Cast, so you can find us there until mm-hmm. next week. Oh, wait, no. No show next week. Until a fortnight from now, my name is Josh Canal.
1: I am Nellie
0: Thomas. Hey, Nellie, uh, if someone wanted to see you at the upcoming Melbourne, international Comedy, Melbourne Festival. international
1: Comedy Festival, can I encourage everyone, firstly, to buy tickets to Australian shows? Because I feel it's necessary to do that. Support your local artists. She's so parochial, um, or And they're not they're overpriced,
2: elite. are they? The, the local shows.
1: The local show, you're looking between 20 and 30 bucks. Yeah. I mean, a movie's 18 now. Dude, you get you know a live person for an hour. Some of those um, international
2: prices are outrageous.
1: They are. I am on at the Melbourne Town Hall at 8.15 every night in a show called I Could Have Been a Sailor. Because I could
2: have. Playing the big room?
1: Oh, yeah, 55. Oh, Oh yeah. Look out, Cropley. Yeah, Yeah, but, you know, I'd really like you to come.
2: See you, are Neely Thomas. And you? I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again the week after next. Same bad time,
0: same bad channel. And, hey, let's be careful out there. BoxCutters thanks 3 R, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find BoxCutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 That's 0458 Cutter. So if you're a Boxcutters listener and you mm. go along to Nellie Thomas's show, I could have mm. been a sailor, 8.15 at Melbourne Town Hall during yep. the Melbourne Comedy Festival, and you want Nellie to know that you're a Boxcutters listener and you're in the audience, mm. what you have to do is when she comes out on stage mm. at the start of the show, shout out, show us your bell-bottoms! <laughs> <laughs> all right? Show us your bell-bottoms at the start of the show, or, then she'll know.
1: Instead of coughing up not, my complete That's
0: not going to throw her at all. No. Not going to throw her at...
1: At all. Alternatively, she's if she wanted me to actually do a good show and, I don't know, <laughs> sit there and listen and shit, you could sort of <laughs> hang out in the hallway after and just kind of go, hey, now, I listen to Box Cutters. What? <gasps>
0: and you're just going to be walking around in the hallway yeah, after? Yeah, I'll come out like after. Like a real a person? Show.
1: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah,
0: dude, stay around. What if tell they, Nelly? What
2: if they went to uh, Redbubble and uh, got a uh, Box Cutters uh, uh Sesame Street, uh, and then I would Sesame know. Street news,
0: Sesame Street news style T-shirt. Oh,
1: then Brett Crouple, you're a genius. Wear it
2: to the show. Show, and then I Keep can have app, a look. Right.
1: I'll come out and have a look. And while you're at, why don't you just, you know, ask me really personal questions after, and like tell me what jokes didn't work and how you've got a really funny uncle. That'd be great. So, so where you get <laughs> Oh, no, got, no, look, Box Cutters listeners are in a different league to your standard comedy goer, it's so true. by all means come and have a chat.
0: Do you want to hear what my funny uncle sounds like?
1: <laughs> no, I really don't. Really? I really don't. I
0: think Brett does. You're
1: going <laughs> Go on then.
0: Hi, this is Pete Smith.
2: You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.